We're a bunch of mad lads. Are we? I don't know. <laughs> well, we're a bunch of mad lads. Well, you were already a mad lad. <laughs> now Shahid and I are mad lads. We've all got Steam Decks now. So Yay. this show's pivoting. It's now exclusively a Steam Deck podcast. Look, there's a market for it, okay? There's not enough not enough Steam Deck podcasts. I agree with you. Well, I guess because they're just PC game podcasts. Anyway, because mm. I, I had this thought today. So we watched the Pokemon Direct, which we're not going to talk about. It's, we'll talk about Pokemon later on. Um, okay. I feel like, I, mean, I think we need to talk about it today. We'll see. But I had this thought where I was like, but I wish I could play on my Steam Deck. <laughs> 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 because it's where genuinely at the moment, it is where I want to play all of my video games. Mm, that's, so, that's an interesting thought right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, just to get, just to like catch everyone up to speed, Federico's had his for a while. We've already gotten Federico's hardware, uh, ex- like, um, impressions a couple yes. of episodes ago. Shahid, you remind me, you had a pre order, then you, you missed the email, but you still got one. I missed the email and I wrote back to them begging, saying, please i'm i'm a developer i love you (laughs) but words to that effect and they were kind enough to email me back and said no problem we will reactivate uh and put it on hold for you for another 24 hours just make sure that Hmm. you 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 buy in the next 24 hours and then i got it very soon after i mean i think it was a week yeah once they get those emails out they're like they're ready to go. And I, I don't know how long that period was, and I don't remember what their period is, but uh, Valve do have like a an actual agreed-upon period of time that if you've missed your email, you can contact them and they'll do that. I don't know if maybe they just helped you because you were a begging developer, but... Mm-hmm. No, I think they did it because that was part of the whole system. Yeah. But, you know, they got me to beg anyway, so they didn't lose anything. <laughs> I bet they get a lot of those begging emails. Uh, I mean, that's I, I, pretty sweet of them anyway, though. Like, I mean, that's, that's a cool gesture, you know? Well, to give a personal reply was nice. I didn't expect that. Mm. Here's what I'll say. I'll say, yes, that's a cool gesture. The other thing I'll say is, really, it's kind of like a part of their janky system in which you have to order, which is like, oh, you order, true. and then they send you an email, and then you confirm. Like, which I know is also nice in case you change your mind, but like... Yeah, anyway, and I did just see recently, I don't know if you guys saw this, that they're basically saying that everyone that has an order in up until like a point last week will get one this year. Yeah. Did you I see that? that? They must yeah. have. I reckon that maybe they've got a bit more uh, access to chips now or whatever, right? Yeah, and so. Sony is promising also to ramp up production of the PS5 at the holiday season. So maybe whatever was clogged in the supply chain got unclogged recently i don't know but it seems strange that all these companies are now saying don't worry about it by the end of the year we're gonna have supply for I you think guys it's I like know. a mixture of a bunch of things i think demand is down a little bit and maybe so that's in some areas so it's like freeing up chips and who knows but hey if you got one out there you can get one uh i treated myself and bought one uh, via StockX. Ooh, what is what is stock? Is is it like a oh, do you big know about StockX? What is StockX? Oh, StockX is amazing. All right, so it is. It was created for sneakerheads. Okay, I see. They're on the front it page. It is a platform for reselling products. Ooh, but they this have is a couple a of things. For me. Every item goes to StockX for validation, and they hold your. So if you if you're buying something on StockX. You pay, StockX holds the money, 
then the person sends them the product, StockX confirm it, and then everything goes on its way. So it's this growth for gadgets. Yes. Awesome. But also, just, there is like a... just ruined my life oh, with it's this fantastic. revelation. <laughs> the stock part is there is a... The system, when you go onto an item, you can see all of the previous purchases of that item and all of the prices. So you can try and guess what you think a, a good amount to bid might be. And it isn't necessarily like, oh, there are 10 people who have uh, Steam Decks available. Like there could be people that they have Steam Decks available and they've set a price that if you just go for it, you can basically buy it now. Or you can just say, hey, world, I'm willing to pay X amount of money for a Steam Deck. If anybody wants to meet my bid, go for it. It's a really cool system. But the thing that I like the most is that the, the purchases are verified by StockX, which I think probably limits the places in the world that they operate in. I don't know. Um, but if they, I guess they have to have, like it was sent to somewhere in the UK and then sent to me. And it only added like a day into the process. Like it was still, sh the shipping was all still really fast. Uh, I was, a, I've, I'd looked at these for a few things. Adina bought me some sneakers from there for Christmas last year. And then when I was thinking about getting one, she's like, don't get one on eBay. Look on StockX. And she was right. And it worked perfectly for me. They do electronics now. They weren't until very recently doing them. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I am now looking for special editions of the Nintendo Switch. And you can find them. Yep. This is a... Oh, I'm going to have a problem with this. It's a great website. system. It's a great system. Mm. And I, because of it, I was, gonna, I was trying to buy the highest one, the 512. And was but was keeping my eye on the 256, and there was a price dip. Like some people would paid lower amounts, so I jumped on it, made an order, and it went. And then someone uh, picked up my offer, so I paid like fifty percent higher than asking price, which I think was pretty good compared to what I was seeing price wise on eBay. Yeah, Shahid, I want to know what you think about the ergonomics of the Steam Deck because this was something that I was pretty concerned about. Very good question. I was surprised. The ergonomics are fine. Um, going around the device, the triggers are good. Mm -hmm. They feel comfortable. They fit underneath the fingers. I don't feel like I'm going to get RSI through using those. The thumbsticks are not as far away as I feared they might be. So they feel comfortable for reasonably long periods of play. Mm -hmm. The touchpads I find really awkward, but not so much in the ergonomic sense. Just that there doesn't really seem to be too much of a use for them. And whenever they are used, they're incredibly sensitive. They're I'm sure that sensitive. can be adjusted. Yeah, they can they probably can adjust that, right? But They can be. So like, because there are, well, I did. Because there, there are a hundred thousand million control options, which is mm -hmm. sometimes daunting, but actually really good. So I was playing Euro Truck Simulator, because mm. why not? And I wanted to use the touchpad to be able to look around. Right. And I used it, and at first it was like, this is impossible. Every time I touch it, like my head spins around like an owl. Like it's ridiculous. But you can dial way dial down the sensitivities of them too. So I like the haptics in them, but I have yet to, like, I haven't really found a game where I'm able to actually use them as the predominant uh, input system. Right. Yeah. I, I also, the, um, I'm not sure what they're called. Are they the, the grip? buttons or the grip triggers or whatever the ones underneath your paddle middle and yeah the ones underneath your middle and ring fingers i found that they were too hard um to to use in normal play but too soft to grip the controller with so if a game used those i ended up invariably using whatever those buttons were assigned to mm -hmm. and if the game didn't then i 
I kept getting worried because I was squeezing the deck so hard that I was activating the button. So they're awkward ones, but because not a lot of games use them, it's not too much of a problem for me, really. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, other than that, ergonomically, I'm really surprised. It's really good. It's, it's comfortable. I don't find it too heavy. I mm -hmm. really thought because of the layout. I remember you were saying a while back you'd worried about whether it might feel too heavy. And mm -hmm. yeah, it is heavy. Mm -hmm. But because of the way they've laid out the controls and where you hold it, it kind of falls down, kind of balances really well in your hands. Yeah, I was a hater right when they announced it. Uh, but they turned me into a believer. I don't really know how they've done it. Like I can't, I can't hold this thing up for hours and hours and hours. I have to take breaks, right? Because it's it's heavy for a handheld gaming console. But while I'm playing it, I find it very comfortable uh, to use. I agree with basically everything you said about the buttons, Shayad. Like the paddles, they're like those things on the back. I never really get used to where i'm supposed to press them like yeah. i know where but my fingers aren't used to it and really uh these are for fps gamers right or whatever like yeah. in some of the games Se i have used gamers. them um but they're used for not very like fast reaction things so i can kind of make them work i have a thing i want to mention about the buttons too yeah. Um, that uh, in the in the uh, I've had the Steam Deck for like two months, two and a half months. Um, now I've I've seen because every time I play at night, I think about this. I cannot find I can I can never find the Steam and the More button just by feeling them because they're so flat and yes. they're not backlit. So if you're playing at night in a dark room, it's very hard to find those buttons because mm -hmm. they, they they're flat against the you know the 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 front side of the console. Mm -hmm. And and because they're not backlit, like I'm like where where is the steam button? Like I'm always hunting for it. And so in a future version of the Steam Deck, I mean we can talk about this later, but I do wish that these buttons were I don't know, maybe raised a little mm. or had a ridge around them that makes them easier to feel or maybe were backlit. I don't know, but something to make them easier to find. I mean, it certainly doesn't help that most of the times when I press the Steam button, nothing actually happens. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the laggiest part of the console for me. It's like if I'm playing something that is pretty intensive, um, it, that button sometimes I press it and just nothing happens. Uh, I have to give it a second. Um, this was actually one of the things I wanted to say about like holding the console too is sometimes I have to hold it up even if I wouldn't want to because it gets so hot. It does. It like, does. Where I might want to have it in my lap or if I maybe I'm, I'm laying down and relaxing, I can rest it on my chest or my stomach or whatever. But it gets too hot sometimes. You know, and there are certain games that are fine, but one of the game, the, the game I have been playing the absolute most on my Steam Deck is uh, F1 2022, which is not the most taxing game, but it's way more taxing than any of the other typical games that I might play. Like it is a, not AAA game, it's probably like, you know, it's one of these annual sports games. So it's pretty graphically intensive, um, but it's, you know, it's not a cyberpunk, but it's not Vampire Survivors or Unpacking or whatever, like a couple of other games I've been playing. 
So, you know, that game, I've got the graphics dialed in where it looks pretty good and it's basically locked at 60 frames per second unless the system's trying to do anything. Like, sometimes I drop down to like 25 frames per second because it wants to install an, a 6 gigabyte update for No Man's Sky or whatever. <laughs> like, can't you just leave this alone for a minute? Like, surely you know what I'm doing. But yeah, it can get pretty hot. Um, but I would say not in a way that is unexpected to me. Like, it gets hot when I think it might. And to be honest, I mean, I know what PC hardware is like. Of course this thing was going to get hot, right? I mean, it's a PC. When you're playing games like... I mean, when you're playing Elden Ring or mm -hmm. you mentioned No Man's Sky, I mean, what do you think was going to happen, yeah. right? It's yeah. not like this thing has liquid cooling in the back, you know? No. But it, it's, it's a small PC in a very constrained form factor. Um, I mean, if anything, it feels like a miracle that they were able yes. to, to ship this. But then again, you look at the competition, right? And we talked about these um, portable PCs from the likes of uh, uh, Aeneo, for example, as a bunch of these console-like PCs coming out this year. And I have one on order, actually. I had forgotten about it. Um, but it seems like this modern chips with mm. especially the ones with the uh rdna2 uh system on a chip that the the steam deck is also using the progress that's been happening there is just incredible i mean you can play elden ring which is a pretty taxing game at a solid 30 to 35 sometimes even 40 frames per second mm. uh, on at 1080p that's quite an achievement and i mean I'm sure Shahid can comment on this, but this kind of stuff until like I don't know five years ago with the with the with the Nintendo Switch seemed unthinkable, and now it's just uh, kind of the norm. Even yeah, I mean, there's there's no. I mean, it feels like a miracle, and the reason for that is any portable device is going to be all about the compromises. What are they going to compromise on in order to make a really good experience and in this case they've compromised on the cooling they've had to right because mm -hmm. otherwise the 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 machine which is already bulky would be twice as bulky you'd need more airflow you'd need some kind of cooling you know you'd need heat sinks all over the place <laughs> giant heat sink you know <laughs> yeah exactly or or they they just provide you with a pipe that you can plug straight into the freezer <laughs> i mean what, they, what they're gonna do right so <laughs> physics right so i i really feel like They've made the right compromises because the thing they focused on is an overall great experience of any PC game. And yeah, it feels like a miracle, but I think the, the biggest trade-off that they made was the screen resolution and screen size. Yes. Because they could have gone for um, higher resolution, right? But it would have crippled it. And mm. it would also made it run hotter, which means that the battery would run out sooner. The battery is already not, not that great. great. Yeah, not great, not, but not it's, great. It's, it's not terrible, is it? But yeah. it's not great, and I, I feel like I'm charging it more often than I would like to. Um, but I kind of also betrays the fact that I never really pounded on a mobile device before. The only device mm -hmm. I pounded on hard was a Vita. You know that I would use a lot, and it feels to me like the battery life on this thing is about the same as a Vita, maybe slightly worse depending on the games that you're playing. But here's the thing: you can play anything on this thing and it looks good because although the resolution is low the screen is correspondingly low so it still looks great everything still looks great 
And that, that to me, is, is the best compromise that they made. They got the screen size absolutely right. You know, they could have made it smaller. They could have said, look, this is a portable machine. We don't want a huge, bulky device. And I think the, the machine would have suffered massively for that. And it's really gratifying to see more and more mm. developers altering their games now to ensure that the UI scales better for the physical size of the screen, not the resolution of the screen, but the actual physical size. And that's something that, you know, let's face it, all developers should be doing this nowadays um, to, to meet the demands of accessibility, right? And, and so it's just another tick box for a lot of developers. And to, the, to many of these people's credit, they're getting that right now. And you're seeing updates coming out and it's, it's a joy to behold. It really, I, I really do think they nailed all the compromises. Yes. It was just the right mixture of things because it's mm. like, yeah, the battery life's not that great, but this also isn't really that much of a portable machine anyway, right? right. Like it is portable in that I can put it in a bag, but any bag I put it in, it takes up the whole bag, right? But like, so it is a portable machine, but I don't need it to have 10 hours of battery life because I'm only ever really going to take this somewhere where I know I'm going to be able to get use out of it, I think, over long periods of time. So for me, it's mostly like from home to the studio. If we were going on, say, like a, a week away somewhere in the UK, I'll take it with me. But if I'm going to America, while I'd love to have it on a plane, I'm not going to fill up my entire... This would take up about 75% of my backpack that I travel with. And it's like, that's not... <laughs> Especially right? with the carrying case. <laughs> the carrying oh, case yeah. is amazing, but obscene, right? Like, mini luggage. So <laughs> Sir, do you need to check that in as well? I, mean, <laughs> I, I want it to so have its own much. wheels and like the little handle thing. But yeah, like, that's, this, that's all they need. It put, is put those like, four coasters at the bottom. It's portable, but not portable, right? Like it is a... It, it's it transportable. Does, exactly. It's it, not tethered. It's, and and yeah. and it's fantastic because it works perfectly for that. Like, the, the you know, the screen isn't high resolution, but I'm holding it right in front of my face. Yeah. So I don't need it to be. And like, no. I see the, you know, I see that you can dock it, but I have no desire to dock this. It kind of defeats the purpose of it, yes. right? But like not in a way that for the Nintendo Switch for me, really. Because like... There's something about the Switch where it's like one console, home, and on the go, like and you and it's modular in that way. But for me, with the Steam Deck, of like, I understand what this is. This is a PC. If I want to play PC games at home, I will do what I need to make that the best experience. Because the Switch, I know that those games are optimized for both things. Like the piece, like if I plug this into my television, I know it's not going to look good, and it's not going to run well, and it's going things are going to start falling apart. And so then I want to be able to play those PC games in the best possible way. So then I would use my PC. But but that's just it for me. I mean, I I don't know how it's been for you, Mike, but f for me certainly. Here's my thinking: I want to play this game. I want to play it now. I get out my Steam Deck. I play the game. If it's something demanding, like Elden Ring, for example, and I can't read the text because, you know, old man eyes and all that. Yep. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to play this on my PC. Guess what happens? I never play it on my PC. Bingo. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. so, so what is the point of a dock, really? Because I already have a docked Steam Deck. It's called an Alienware. Yeah, you know, it's already I set have a PlayStation, up. you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. There are a ton of games that I would want to play that I would otherwise not 
be able to play. Like Vampire Survivors is one of them. I don't know if you guys have played Vampire Survivors. If over forty hours and counting, it's, it's on Federico, my list. Oh, Federico. I, I have it oh. in my library and yeah. it still has the new badge. Is it good? Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's so okay. good. I played it's this so game addictive. more than any other in the last yeah. 20 okay. years, maybe. Okay, 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 okay. I was up and bef- before the Formula One game, I, this was my most played game. It's fantastic. It's such a great video game. And it's so like, if you look at it, you're like, I don't know why people like this game. I thought the same thing. I, so I played it for two minutes to start with, and I thought, yeah. oh, this is awful. I'm never touching this again. And then I kept looking at the reviews, and I thought, I've missed something. I'm getting back into this. It feels like a Game Boy Advance game. Well, it, what where it really shines is I haven't played a game in a long time that nails flow so well. Like, you get in, like, such a flow state with this game. Oh, man. And it's you, beautiful. Like, you feel like you are, like the controls are just an extension of your hands, right? And you're just like, Mm. you're just moving around this thing and you're like doing things and you don't even know. You know, like sometimes you play a video game and you start just basically dealing with everything in the periphery. Like your Mm. peripheral vision is actually controlling the game. Like that's kind of what this one's like. It's absolutely fantastic. You know how I think they do that? I think it's their use of idle mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. The, The whole upgrade path is so smooth. Yeah so well balanced that you never feel like you've got no chance of getting what you need in order to progress. Every game feels like, oh yeah, I'm getting this a bit more, I'm getting this a bit more. And they're just feeding you stuff constantly. So basically it's it's a reverse bullet hell game is what they call it, where basically instead of you necessarily just firing in every direction, there are things coming from every direction at you. But unlike any of these other types of games, and I didn't know this until I played it, you do not control your weaponry. Your weaponry is automatic. So all you're doing is moving. Yeah, that's Ooh. what I mean by the idle mechanics. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very smart in that way. Where like all you're doing is moving the character around. Uh, when you said the idle, I thought you meant like the way that you choose what you want, because that reminded me of like your clicker games, like where you just like making these yeah, very yeah. quick decisions yeah. about like I want this weapon or this weapon. But like you're you're only using one stick and it's the movement stick. You're not using the other stick to shoot in any particular direction. And so and then you know you can kind of work out what your favorite weapons are and, and I gravitate towards certain weapons that and level them up in ways. It's really smart. It's a fantastic video game. Um, and th- this is one of those games where for me, I don't know how much I would enjoy it on the PC and I don't think I would enjoy it on PlayStation. Like I feel like it needs handheld and really for me, I mean, this will, if it ever comes to Switch, will absolutely clean up, but it's, it's fantastic on Steam Deck. Like it's, it's super, super good. I don't think there's another game in my PC library, sorry, my Steam library, where I've clocked up over 40 hours. Not one. No, this would be one of the first for me, and F1 2022 is that too. Because um, what I like about playing the... One of the reasons I'm playing the F1 game so much, I've played these F1 games every year for the last couple of years, and I kind of just fall off it. But like what... I, you know, because, you know, you're just racing, right? You just... It's, it's, a, it's a racing game and blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing like the season mode or whatever. With previous games, it's like, I just want to do one race or whatever. Um, but then I got to like get the PlayStation. I got to boot it up. I got to wait for it to load. What I like about the Steam Deck, I just pick it up. I power it on. And like, I'm already where I was before. And I just start racing. It's beautiful. 
and it is it's the get in and get out of it all is what yeah. I really like. And yeah. it's and it's with this quality of video games. Like yeah. that's where it becomes the next thing. Yeah, the cream of the cream. Yeah. You know? And and it's like you to be able to just jump in and out of AAA games at this speed, there's not been something like this for me. Feels before. wrong. It does feel mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> like the closest is Xbox, but even then it's only when quick resume is is working. Mm. And I've still got to like be in that mode to then go pick up the you know, it's just it, there's just more barriers where I might stop myself where if I've got 15 minutes and I'm on the sofa, well I could just grab the Steam Deck and just play. So, mm-hmm. I love it for that too. So you've been playing F1 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing Circuit Champs. Okay, I don't know what that is, but it's another racing game. That is beautiful. A beautiful little racing game. So pretty and so, so clever. So balanced, so fair, so smooth. It's basically a modern take on the old school super sprint type games, you know, micro machines and all that. Circuit Superstars. uh, Circuit Superstars might well be. It's got the most anonymous name. This video game. Where is it the one that it's this made is the by one a family run? Yes. Is it the one made by a family run oh, business? I forgot about this. I have no idea. So, but it okay. is so Federico good. found this game somewhere and sent it to me and <laughs> uh, said the, you would love the, this. On the Club Max Stories Discord, someone told me you should tell Mike about this racing game yep. that is made by this cool family who's been making these kinds of games for like m- several years. And this game is excellent. Oh, wow. Look at that. But I've Shahid never played it because I, when you sent it to me, I'm like, oh, I can't do nothing with this. It's a PC game. All right. I'm <laughs> good. I am, I'm turning on my Steam Deck sublime. right now to go download it. Is it is sublime. Don't waste a second. In fact, let's just stop remaster now um, because I want you to go and play it. So we've come back now. What was that, an outbreak? <laughs> this is, nice. this is, that's fake. What, what Jay just did there is fake. But I did just have the exact, exact moment. I pressed the Steam button and the sound happened, but no menu loaded, right? Like it oh. just went boodaloop. And then I had to press it again to get the store page to come up. I have Circuit this. Superstars? Circuit Superstars. Yeah, this looks it's, nice. It is beautiful. It is my second favorite game. It was my favorite. For quite a while, I played it for about okay. uh, seven, eight hours, and then I discovered Vampire Survival. Yeah. Add to cart. Yeah, purchase I'm, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, this is just it. reminding me of what I think is the best usage of the touchpads: is keyboard control. Interesting, because I feel like I'm totally unable to use those touchpads. But this gives you—I like it. It gives me like I—I I, it's kind of like using an iPad keyboard for me, but pretending my thumbs are there. It's, it's weird, but I like mm. it. And look at that Steam verified. I don't know about you guys. Every game I want to play is playable on the Steam Deck. Like I, I feel like this is just something that has only accelerated over time as developers just want to be yeah. on this uh, yes. thing, right? You know what's weird? Quake 1 is amazing on it. <laughs> really? Quake 1? Like, yeah, why, would, why mean, would they make sure that that works? But it's absolutely perfect on it. I mean, one of the reasons Quake is always worth revisiting is it probably has the best level design of any shooter mm. ever made. So it's a lesson. You know, I play it because whenever I get stuck on thinking about level design, I look at Quake. Mm. It's just perfect for that. But there's a lot of other shooters that work really well as well that are very suitable for the Steam Deck. And the other one for me is Devil Daggers. I don't know if you remember that one. Had that very 90s look, you know, with the PlayStation-style texture mapping, really meticulously done. But ridiculously fast-paced, brutally hard. And um, 
infinitely replayable. What is that so, called? Devil Daggers. It's been around for quite a while. I used to play it on the PC a fair bit, but uh, been starting to play it on Steam Deck quite regularly. That's one where you've got an awkward use of either the right stick, which is way too sensitive when you're trying to move the mouse pointer around, or the touchpad. So I'm going to have to do what you've done, Mike, and basically set up my uh, touchpads so they're a lot less sensitive. It does look like a PS1 game. With it's, the, with the... it's deliberately designed that way. It's, it, yeah, you I gotta, like this. You've got to read up on some of the articles about how they did it. It's incredible. Really meticulous. Beautifully done. Every detail. It's just like a PS1 game. I love this. But it feels great to play. It's so snappy and um, aggressive and brutal. It's absolutely unforgiving. Oh. And I love it. What, what I feel like we should also we should also mention is the Steam Deck makes it possible, yes, to play, uh, you know, relatively modern or new AAA games, as well as this, you know, infinite sea of indie games. Yes. But also, it makes it possible to play older games, right? Yeah. There's, there's also that angle of like, for example, one of my goals before next year's holiday season when part two of Final Fantasy Remake comes out. So that's a holiday season 2023 game. But before that, I would like to play again again the original Final Fantasy VII. And so I'll be looking for ways to play Final Fantasy VII again. Uh, there's, you know, you can play on the PlayStation, obviously. Uh, you can play on PC, and on PC you can install different mods to, you know, to play the game in 4K, for example, with the original assets upscaled. But also, you can just get in on Steam and play on the Steam Deck, and that's exactly what I've done. Uh, now, I haven't played the game for the past couple of weeks, but it totally runs and mm. you get the badge saying this game we're not sure if it works but some people says it does uh and and it does it does work and also a couple of weeks ago i was in the mood to play and that's the game that i've sort of been playing on and off um for for the past two weeks um final fantasy 10 hd i never played final fantasy 10 uh, almost 20 years ago when i was in high school i don't know why um, they did a remaster a few years ago on the on the Vita even, I think, Shahid. I think it was on the Vita and on the PS4. Um, and now you can get it on Steam Deck. It's not Steam Deck verified. It's got the yellow warning message type badge, but it works just fine. Uh, when you run into some PC UI, you can use the touchpad, as Mike mentioned. So you have that compatibility layer as well. And it totally works. And that's not, this is not even to get into the, the whole emulation aspect of the Steam Deck. But just like, you want to get a Steam, de a Steam title from five years ago, from six years ago, chances are at this point, it just works on the deck as well. And that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I did the Emu Deck setup thing. Mm, okay. Just to do it and then realized. I'm never even going to get to all of the new games I want to play right. on Steam. <laughs> What's right, the point yeah. for this? Well, yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> for I me. I get it. Like, I, no, no, I... See, you know, with limited 
video game time these days. I feel like I also want to prioritize playing new stuff. Yeah. Just to also make sure that you are part of the cultural zeitgeist yes. surrounding video games. You yeah. know, it's just everybody's talking about this game. I also want to be part of that conversation. But I feel like for me lately, if I want to play an old game, it's because it's contextual to something that is also happening now. So, for example, play Final Fantasy VII because the remake is coming out. That makes sense. Or I think in the near near future, for example, I'm going to have to play on my Nintendo 3DS the old uh, Pokemon uh, Ultra Sun game because this is a different conversation, but this year uh, you, you will be able to use certain Pokemon in online play that have never been allowed before, but the only way to catch those Pokemon is to play older games. So, like, I think a good excuse for me to play older games is to make sure that they still have, like, I don't know, consequences in, in today. Otherwise, I totally have Mike's problem. Like, sure, I could replay Final Fantasy Tactics for, like, the fifth time, but also I want to play Stray, on, on my yeah. Steam Deck or yeah. Vampire Survivors. So, yeah. The thing about a game like Vampire Survivors is it's so generation agnostic that it makes me wonder about all the SNES games I would have loved to have played that I didn't get around to playing. Those are the only ones I'd want to play. But the the funny thing about that is, I text, I remember I texted you about this and, um, mm-hmm. and you said you weren't going to bother. And, and I, I, I thought, why am I asking? Why, why am I so eager about this? And so I installed some emulators on my MacBook, which mm-hmm. has got an M1, right? So right. some of them, some of them are a bit dodgy, uh, and uh, dodgy as in not illegal, but dodgy as in they, they're not always reliable. Yeah. Um, but a few of them were okay. So I, I played a few older games, and I thought it's exactly what the three of us have been talking about for years on this show is that you don't have any of the affordances. As soon as you start to play the older stuff, it's like, ah, the quality of life, man. I mean, I'm 56. Uh, Get real, (laughs) you know? So I literally play it for a few minutes and it's nice. It's nice to see it. It's nice to experience it just for a few seconds, but that's all it is. A few seconds, any more than that. And I immediately get um, a bit of guilt you know, I'm wasting my time. I could be playing something new. There's all this stuff in my library on the Steam Deck waiting to be played. I still haven't done every single unlock in Vampire Survivors, and I'm enjoying that massively. I still haven't got all of the gold trophies in Circuit, whatever the thing is called. What an anonymous name for a brilliant game. Anyway, so yeah, so so I'm not doing the re- the retro thing. I did. I, I tell you what, I did do though. I and I don't regret this. I loaded up one of my favorite SNES games of all time, which is Donkey Kong Country, mm. which I, I completed a couple of times on the original. And I did play that for a bit. But again, it was like, ah, why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And would I stick it on a Steam Deck? No. Uh, have you been playing anything else recently, Federico? Anything new on your Steam Deck? Well, um, so I mentioned uh, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy X. Um, let me, I'm actually looking in my library now. So let's see, what have I been playing on the deck? Um, Elden Ring, I'm still, uh, I'm in the post-game, so that's what, that's what I've been playing on and off to make sure. I'm trying new builds after finishing the game, which I'm very proud of uh, still. 
um, something that I've been playing, and it's such a fun game, um, Neon White. Oh, uh, I, 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 this is in my queue. It's such a good game because it it yeah. may look like a first person shooter. It's not. Mm-hmm. It may look like a, a platformer game. It kinda is. It's really a puzzle game if you think about it. So Neon White is this anime style video game with a pretty ridiculous um, concept. You're like, you're basically dead. You are in the afterlife, um, and if you want to have a chance to redeem yourself uh, and and you kind of ascend to heaven, uh, you need to kill all these monsters that have invaded the afterlife. It's such an anime story, yeah. but it kind of makes sense in the context of what it is. So this game is kind of like Mirror's Edge meets Super Mario, but the levels last forty five seconds. And the thing is, each level, it requires you to learn the optimal path to the end of the stage in the shortest amount of time possible while killing all the enemies. And so you have this combination of a very cool-looking video game because the graphical style is really excellent and it works beautifully on the deck. The performance is excellent and it's deck verified. But these levels are very much optimized for portable usage because like a level you can get through in 45 to seconds to a minute. But what's really challenging is learning. It, it's the trial and error of each level. It's like, oh, okay, I see. I got to make this jump right here and a double jump right there. But then there's an enemy behind a corner. But then I can jump on the, enem- on the enemy and you know make my jump longer. Like all these different chains of actions make this game very much a puzzle game. And so I've been playing that and, uh, and, and, and I really love it on the deck. And I've also been playing um, the new uh, Ninja Turtles game, the Shredder's Revenge game. Mm-hmm. And this is it's such a good throwback video game. Uh, classic, you know, 90s style uh, Ninja Turtles video game, but in a modern fashion with tons of like throwbacks and references. And it looks beautiful and the, the soundtrack is excellent and it's super fun. Um, and... I've been playing this more on desktop, but I've also been catching up on the deck. Uh, Strange Horticulture. So Strange oh, okay. Horticulture. Tell me about this game. So Strange Horticulture, <laughs> you run a plant shop in a fiction in 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 a, in a fiction uh, like th- this fictional village sometime some somewhere I guess in the UK. It's very much the mood that I get from this. Um, so yeah, it's, <laughs> everything's kind of foggy, you, you know, a little gray. Yeah, a little, gray, a little yeah. yeah. I got I got the vibe from mm-hmm. this game. Uh, so you run a plant shop where uh, it's basically a point and click adventure. Is what it is. Uh, but it's so strange, <laughs> like in the title, uh, because all these plants and flowers that you manage in the shop are fictional. They don't exist. And each has a different property. And each solves a different, pro- a different problem. So what you do is you solve problems for your customers by giving them a unique plant, but you need to understand which one. And so this game appeals to you if you are the type of person who thinks you're going to have fun by doing digital research 
as a game for pleasure. So it like, sounds very much like you. <laughs> yes. So basically, you need to flip through the pages of an encyclopedia to understand the plant. And you need to compare the plant in front of you with the sketch. And then you need to find a reference to the plant in a letter that was addressed to you. Like you you and and you literally do this by managing your inventory, which is very tactile-based, because like you grab a piece of paper from the drawer and you place it with the cursor on your table. And then you flip through the pages of the encyclopedia and you need to cross-reference multiple things. It's basically what I do for work, but in a video game. And it's like, it's it's oddly relaxing and challenging at the same time because you also have a timer. And at the end of the day, uh, of the workday, if you haven't satisfied your customers, you haven't made any progress in the story. Do you want to hear something interesting about this game? Yes. The developer, the developer is Bad Viking. Yes. Does the name ring a bell? Huh. Maybe no. not. Bad Viking are the two brother team that I worked with to make virtue reality. Ah, we made that game together. Man, wild! Yeah, they're great. Incredible. They're lovely. They're really, really lovely. Rob yeah. and John Donkin, giving them a shout out. Huh. Are two two nice. of the lov- loveliest people I've ever worked with. I did. I totally forgot about that. Nice. Yeah. I mean, this game is. Excellent. Uh, it's a very. This game has a whole vibe, honestly. Like it's it's not a. You look at it from the outside and you read the description on Steam. It's not an exciting game. Like you compare this to, to GTA Five. Like it's not an exciting video game. Like yeah, the the story is you literally you're a store manager for a plant shop. <laughs> in a fictional village and you need to give people plants and pots and flowers like yeah but look there's a whole thing and then there's these mysterious letters that you receive from people and you need to understand what happens and then at some point there's a a murder occurs and turns out the person was poisoned by a specific plant it's wild in, in a way that managing a plant shop can be wild. Yeah. Um, and in my queue, I already had, as you as I mentioned, Vampire Survivors. Now, there's this other thing I want to mention. I started Stray on my PS5, and I showed Mike a picture. I've been playing uh, on my new OLED screen. Um, but I kind of get the... I don't know. I'm, I'm getting the pool of the Steam Deck to play this game while I'm on vacation on the deck as well, rather than via remote play from my PS5 at home. So because I've only played like an hour, I think I'm going to start the game again on the deck and finish it on the deck. So it was something I think one of you mentioned earlier about things you would like to improve on the Steam yeah, Deck. It's not a long list for me. Okay, mm-hmm. So I've got some creaking on mine on the left-hand side particularly. So you mm-hmm. hold, if you grip it a little tight, the thing creaks. Yeah, I, I mean, it's that. not the end of the world. Yeah. Not the end of the world. No. Uh, the fan does spin up, and that's frustrating. I mean, I, but, you know, it's not, again, not the end of the world, because another thing I did, uh, a dirty little secret, is I bought a dedicated pair of um, those Wi-Fi headphones Ooh. where you get a tiny little USB-C dongle so that there's absolutely no latency, well, not that I notice anyway. Hmm. Speakers uh, are fantastic, by the way. They yeah. are, but when I'm in bed. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying you should always use them. I'm just, but I hadn't. I realized I hadn't mentioned it, but I've been pleasantly surprised with how good and loud they are. Yeah, they're good. They're good. 
Um, I, you know, it's really minor and they probably won't do it, but I would really love it if it had the build quality of a Sony device. And mm. I would really love it if it had an AMOLED dis display. Yes. Maybe a slightly larger screen. I wouldn't necessarily want any more resolution, but just so that I can read text a little bit better. And if that meant a slightly larger device, not not proportionately larger, but just slightly larger, that would also allow the thing to accommodate a larger battery. I and mean, if this you whole know, thing cost a couple hundred quid more, I'd, I'd pay yeah. a couple hundred quid more. I, I would want to see them do to this what the what nintendo did to the switch don't yeah. change the size give yeah. me a bigger better screen because like there's you don't need to make this thing any bigger to make the screen larger you know no you don't so i would love to see that and i would love uh i would love a little bit more battery life i think uh, would be it would be a key thing for me but really I would like it to be smaller, but I, I think if you made it smaller, you would mess up the ergonomics, and the ergonomics are more important to me than the size of the thing. Hmm. What about you, Federico? Yeah, I, mean, I, I really want OLED. I, I really want an OLED display on this, and I've been spoiled by my TV. I've been spoiled by the Switch. We all have. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I have mobile devices. You know, yes. our, our TVs increasingly are OLED. We saw the the first Vita, it was OLED, and that, that gave us a glimpse as to how screens on a portable device, portable gaming device should be. So we, we've had it for a while, and, and we love it, and when we see it, we really want it. I would not want to work at Valve on the Steam Deck team, because I do not know how they will strike the balance of when to release updated hardware. Because I'm sure it's been successful enough that they could probably move relatively quickly. But they're still taking pre-orders on this one. And so, like, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Because you've also got, like, PC gaming in general moves quick. That's just the world, though, right? I mean, right now, the whole global supply chain is messed up. Mm -hmm. So everyone's having difficulty launching things on time. Um, but uh, And that said, Valve are not really a hardware company, let's face it. They nearly always do hardware in support of some software ideas that they've got. And I think one of the things that people don't stress enough that I think is really important and, and that Valve have tried to get right before but not succeeded at was using their own OS and, you know, something that sits on Linux because there's there's a lot less cruft that is getting in the way you know there's there are a whole bunch of layers in windows that slows everything down and sucks up battery life and so on and linux is just much sleeker and more lightweight more efficient better on the battery so that was a really good decision and you know what the biggest doubt i had about this was how many games they'd be able to get across for launch and then whether they'd be able to sustain the pace and they have absolutely nailed it magnificent <laughs> 